Hi, everyone, and welcome to Audio Note number 18. My name is Andrew Robinson, and we are making our way through nature and narrative. And again, the reason we are doing that is because our nature and our narrative inform how we show up every single day in the world. And the more we know about that, the more we can live intentionally. We can be aware of our reactions, our responses, our habits, our tendencies, all of that. So that is the purpose behind this process. And in the last audio note, I gave you an activity that I intended for you to come in closer contact with your allergy, and in particular to your nature. And you'll notice as we go into narrative that you may have a similar response. You may encounter a similar allergy because not only do we resist truly grasping our nature, we often resist owning and grasping our own narrative. And that is all part of the journey. And as I have hinted at and stated throughout Getting resistance is not a bad thing. Getting pushback is not a bad thing. Even developing an allergy or at least noticing your allergy to these things is actually a sign that you're doing the work. People that don't do this work don't struggle with that. So in a sense, I'm inviting you into a struggle. I don't remember if I've mentioned this or not on an earlier audio note, but the Spartans had a word from which we derive our term agony to describe the kinds of strenuousness that they would experience in doing the Olympics. Okay, so they're they're the originators of the Olympics, right? And they did it. It was self-imposed agony, which is essentially what track and field is or cross-country is today or or exercise or CrossFit or whatever. It's self-imposed agony, right? But that's how we get better, and that's what this process is all about. So as you experience that resistance and that pushback and that those excuses and even the allergies, that is evidence that you are doing this work. But I'm also aware that as you go through this process, as your resistance increases, your inclination to leave the room may increase as well. And you may be finding yourself wondering, why am I engaging in this process that's difficult? I can easily find a different podcast that I could listen to that will help me feel better about myself and all those things. To which I would respond, feeling better is usually a poor metric for growth. Inspiration behaves like a drug. It gives you a hit, it eventually wears off, and we go looking for the next one. You'll never struggle to find a pusher for inspiration. Transformation is the antidote for inspiration. Through transformation, you literally form different aspects of yourself. That's the whole meaning of transformation. There is a form that shifts and changes. Inspiration cannot do that. Most people will say they want transformation, but very few are willing to put in the effort that's necessary to actually achieve it. That said, I'm not anti-inspiration. In fact, you will feel better as you go through this process, just like you feel better when you exercise, but it's not because you're high on inspiration. It's because you actually are transforming. There are substantive changes that are coming about that you can point to, and that feels better. I can hear the words of the spouse of a client that I've worked with saying he's literally a different person. And that's what I want for you, but you have to do the work.
One Sunday morning a number of years ago, my wife and I were getting ready to sit down with our daughters for breakfast, and I had collected a dozen or so coins, and without my daughters seeing me, I neatly stacked them on the front porch, just outside our front door, and I made sure like none of them could see me, they didn't know what I was up to. And just before we were going to sit down, I, I told them something to get them to go out the front door. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think I may have said like I saw a lost dog or something uh, running up and down the street, but... So they, they went to the front door, they opened it, and all three of them went out on the porch, and it didn't take too long for them to notice the coins. And I heard one of them say, hey, what, you know, what are these? And they all crouched down, and I stood close enough to listen, and I could, I could watch them examining the coins, and this fascinating dialogue ensued as the three of them puzzled over this stack of coins, which is really what I was after. And as a side note, I would, I would donate like a, a, a an organ to have a recording of that conversation uh, just the innocence and the sweetness of, of that age right they were they were probably four and seven and ten or something like that you just don't get those moments back but they walked out into the yard and they're just trying to figure out like where did these come from they were checking to see if like someone you know dropped them off or something and then it was time for breakfast which was perfect timing so we sat down at breakfast and they continued to puzzle over this mystery of the coins and of course I acted like I had no idea what they were talking about and I just let out line and continued to let them run with it and you know my wife's great in these situations she just lets me play these games and and lets them go and, and doesn't you know doesn't step in so here we are allowing this dialogue to unfold and we sat around the breakfast table and just kept talking about it. and they told me about these coins and you know, they were, they were puzzling over it and, hey, maybe, you know, a, f a friend stopped by or maybe that neighbor kid across the street came by and just, and just left them as a joke or something, but nothing added up. They just couldn't figure it out. Um, but I must have cracked at one point because all of a sudden I looked up and all six eyes were on me and I realized the gig was up. Uh, they knew that I had something to do with it. So as we started going through the stories, and that was my whole point, was to start reviewing the kinds of theories that they had developed about these coins and um, every one of them. Um, pointed to some sort of human agency. That was the whole point. I wanted them just to be thinking about like their, how they form theories and things like that. Every one of their theories had something to do with human agency. They didn't just happen to roll up on the porch. I mean, none of their explanations were like, hey, a strong wind blew these here. They wanted to know who was it or, and when did they do it and how did they must have done it at night because we didn't see them. These are the kinds of questions that occupied their minds throughout the conversation at the breakfast table. So my experiment worked. They used this stack of coins to uncover these beliefs about natural causality that they already had. You know, I mean, they went on to talk about like God and, you know, the creation of the world and how do these trees outside our window get there and all these things. It was a really interesting conversation. At least I thought it was an interesting conversation. They kind of roll their eyes at this age uh, now that they're older when I bring it up. But what I love about that age and what I just loved about sitting around the breakfast table and, and listening to this conversation is how much children lack sophistication. They, they go through life with such a sense of simplicity. They haven't learned to be sophisticated yet. They haven't learned to be cool or how to try to fit in or all of those things that we learn as we get older. As we always told them from a young age, we are your teachers while you're young but life will slowly become your teacher as you get older. And that's where that lack of sophistication starts to wear away, right? They learn how to go out into the world. The process of selfship is encouraging us to actually rewind the clock. In fact, a lot of the leaders that I work with 
who have the highest degrees of selfship, have done the work to gain selfship, continue to do the work, are in a lot of ways less sophisticated than when I first met them. The original meaning of sophistication, interestingly, has to do with making a fallacious argument that's intended to mislead. So as we enter adulthood, we come to believe all kinds of fallacious arguments. Young children seem to have this natural immunity to these arguments. I suspect that has something to do with why Jesus said things like, let the children come to me, don't hinder them, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In a similar way, C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce says, a sum can be put right, but only by going back till you find the error and working it afresh from that point, never by simply going on. As adults, as we grow sophisticated, we want to just keep pressing on. I'm just going to keep pressing on. I'm just going to keep on going through life. C.S. Lewis is calling us to something else. To repeat him, it's never by simply going on. We have to go back until we find the error in our case, the fallacious arguments that we've adopted along the way that make us so sophisticated, and we have to work them afresh. That's the challenge. In that respect, my hope, as we look at the coming week, my hope is that you actually diminish in sophistication, that you are a simpler person seven days from now than you are today. But that feels scary because throughout your entire adult life, you've worked really hard to get sophisticated. You've developed all of these different arguments, all of these different strategies, all of these different things that you tell yourself so that you can show up in the world. I'm not saying those are all bad. That is part of becoming an adult. But what I am calling us to is a life of greater simplicity, of less sophistication. What if we could go back, rewind until we find the error, work it afresh from that point? But I will tell you, it's never by simply going on, as Lewis says. So here's what we're going to do is in the coming week, I want you to pull out a piece of paper and you can do that right now. And I want you just to think about the fallacious things that you have been told about yourself or that you have actually manufactured and you tell yourself on a regular basis. Just one thing. So for example, um, do you think, I'm, I'm honestly, do you think you're an attractive person? Like most of us... <laughs> Like most of us don't, most of us, what do we focus on? Like the, the pimple on our face, right? And we want everyone to know that we see, we, I see it. I see it. Like I'm going to point it out first before you can, right? Um, do you think you're smart? Like, do you, do you think you're a smart person or do you tend to tell yourself how dumb you are or you're not as smart as that person? Do you think you have worth? Like when you walk in the room, do you like literally think you have worth? Not in a prideful sense, just in a sense, do you think you have worth? Those are the kinds of things that these fallacious arguments tend to attack. You believe these things about yourself when you were a child. You believed, like, I am an attractive person. I am, I'm smart. I have worth. But you didn't even think in those categories. You didn't even know there was an alternative. You weren't sophisticated yet. So you may be tempted to fill a page with different things, different messages you tell yourself, but I want to challenge you to limit your fallacy, your fallacious argument to a single lie. Next, I want you to see if you can remember a time when you didn't hear this message about yourself. You probably never even considered at a certain age that these things could be true. Like, let's say that one of the things you tell yourself is you're not smart. You didn't think in those categories when you were a certain age, when you were a child. You just were, right? That was that unsophisticated state of being. 
Now, what we tend to do is we go through an average week and we will actually collect evidence that supports this fallacious argument. So what you're going to do in the coming week is you're actually going to imagine that less sophisticated self going with you. Remember, this is the self that really doesn't even think in the categories of attractive or not attractive or smart or, or dumb. They don't think in those categories. It's this unsophisticated, simpler self before you became sophisticated. And I want you to imagine, like literally at a meeting, what would it be like to have that simpler self with you? And what would they be thinking? And what would like what would that part of you think about you? What would occupy your mind? And what would you consider important? And that's what I want you to do in the coming week. We all have these parts of ourself that haven't learned to be sophisticated. They haven't learned to think in these categories. And so I want you to think about what would it be like to actually be that way? We are trying to undo the spell. That's what we're trying to do is undo the spell. We're trying to go back, find the error, and work it afresh from that point. So it begins with that exercise. I challenge you, encourage you to think about that less sophisticated self that you can bring with you. If you can't remember a time when you didn't have those messages playing in your head or those or those fallacious arguments, I just want you to think about the people in your life that are unsophisticated about that message. They don't know that you see yourself that way. They see you in a completely different way. They see you in all of the gifts and brilliance that you bring to the world. So bring that person with you. Like again, this person may or may not be in your life. They may not may or may not be with you this week. They actually may not even be living anymore. I want you to bring that person with you because they haven't learned to believe that lie about you. What would it be like to actually go through a day, go through a meeting with that person sitting in the room with you, knowing how they see you? That's the process that we're going through, okay? And again, we're just easing our way into your narrative. I have an exercise for you in the next audio note that will go just a little bit deeper. And we're just testing and resting. If you come into anything through this exercise, if you come into something through this exercise that activates you beyond uh, where you think you should be, again, back off of it test and rest that that is the whole process okay as always no matter where you are no matter where you're listening in from i am so glad that you are here take care everyone Mm -hmm.